If you got a Bible this morning, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read this out of uh, the New Living Translation, as I've been doing here a lot lately, because uh, we just have been reaching a lot of people that some of the words um, in some of our older translations of the Bible, people just, just don't understand today, and this helps them understand better. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, great passage of Scripture. Um, I preached this many times in my 15 years, 20 years of ministry, never preached it this way. That's what I love about this new season. See, Apostle Paul talking here, and uh, he says, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I would reluctantly tell you about the visions and the revelations that I've had from the Lord. He says, I was even caught up one time into the third heavens 14 years ago. Paul said, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I have no clue. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up into the paradises, the third heavens, the presence of God. And I heard things so outstanding that they cannot be expressed in words, things that are unlawful for men to know or to tell. When, when, when we as Christians play this, I'm deep card, or I've got insight of, or God speaks to me in, I think it's important to always reference back to this passage of scripture. We don't, we don't have a lot of that super spirituality here at Oaks Church, but I think it's always important to reference this back to this passage because the apostle Paul starts by saying this, boasting like that does nobody any good boasting like that does nobody any good but if you want to talk about it i probably have had the most boastful experience but yet i'm not going to boast about it. that's what that's what paul says that experience would be worth boasting about but i'm not going to do it here's what paul teaches us he said i will boast only about my weaknesses <laughs> how many of us got weaknesses <laughs> <laughs> now, how many of us have been called up to the third heavens, in the body or out of the body? <laughs> right? I love that Paul took this passage of Scripture from a category where no one could relate to a category where everybody could relate. He says, if I just try to talk to you about this, it's unrelatable. But if I start talking to you about my weaknesses, which we all have them, everybody can relate to what I'm saying. I love that. He said, if I wanted to boast... I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling you the truth. He said, I've got something great to boast about, probably something no other man at that time ever had. He said, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me the credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message. Here's what, here's what the apostle Paul states here that I think is so important. People come up to you, Pastor Todd. I, I heard, how many of you heard the wanted, dead or alive message? The, how many of you? Okay, did he do a great job? <laughs> so, so the way most of us grew up in traditional church, which I'm not knocking traditional church, people would meet you at the front door in the hall and they'd pat you on the back and they'd say, good job. And then Brother Joseph, most people will say, well, thanks be to God or thank the Lord or it was truly the Lord. <laughs> Paul said, don't do that. You get credit for what you said or what they saw in your life. Just say thank you. 
Just humbly say, man, thank you. Man, God's good. You know, great job. Well, brother, it was all the Lord today. It wasn't. Dude, they know that. (laughs) Actually, they didn't want to tell you your cowlick was sticking up and you had crumbs on the side of your mouth and your breath was a little whack. They, They know there's nothing good in you. They know it was the Lord. But Paul said, we get this credit. Here's the credit. The only credit I get is what you hear in my message and what you see in my life. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, I'm not going to boast about them. So to keep me from becoming overly proud, I was given, or in the Koinonia Greek also can be read, I was allowed to have a thorn in my flesh. I was given a thorn in my flesh or God allowed me to have a thorn in my flesh. Paul says, I had a messenger from Satan that tormented me all the days of my life. And it kept me from walking in arrogance. It kept me humble. Mm. So this guy has these experiences that no other person at that time had. Probably no other person has today. And he says, if I wanted to boast about it, it, I got something to boast about, Jack. But it won't do the body of Christ any good. And to keep me from becoming arrogant, boastful, or proud, God allowed me to have something that always kept me humble. This is just the passage. Three different times, Paul said, I went to the Lord and I begged him, take this away. Each time, this is what I heard. Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your human weakness. So now I am glad, Paul said, I I, I see it through a different caveat today. I, I see it through a different prism today. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses because it's in my weaknesses that I've discovered that the power of Christ works best through me. People see then, it's not me, it's him. That's why I now take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults. Now, how many of you woke up today and said, man, I take pleasure when I'm insulted? (laughs) No, I bust lips when I'm insulted. (laughs) That's what your spirit's saying right now. (laughs) Paul said, "I, I take pleasure in my weaknesses when people insult me, when I experience hardships, when I experience persecution. Now, listen to me, persecution in this day wasn't somebody parked in your parking spot at the mall. Well, you know, I was persecuted this week. There was somebody, they just cut me right off and pulled in my spot by Dillard's. <laughs> Lord, help us. That, that ain't persecution, man. That's called you didn't pull in fast enough. <laughs> you don't drive a big enough truck. <laughs> he says, listen, I will take pleasure in my weaknesses. This got to set in on you. I'll take pleasure in my weaknesses. I'm going to learn to take pleasure when I'm insulted by people. When I go through hardships, when I experience persecution and troubles that I suffer in this life for being a Christian and a follower of Christ, here it is. For when I am weak, I've discovered then I actually find true strength that comes from God and I am strong. I want to talk to you today about about this phrase. Maybe you saw it this week on our social media accounts. Burr under my saddle. A burr under my saddle. You're brave people. I got to thinking, man, we put that out there. Pastor this week is going to talk about a burr under his saddle. And I'm sure everybody was thinking, man, he's going to talk about people getting up and down during church again. That has got to be a burr under his saddle. 
<laughs> Some of y'all came today just like, I'm just here for, with popcorn for the comments. What's he going to get on? I'm not mad at anybody. I don't have any birds under my saddle. It was just a good sermon title to express something that I believe we all deal with in life. I want to talk to you about the burr under your saddle. The burrs under your saddle in life. I looked up just a, a, a brief definition of what this means. A burr under your saddle is a, is a figure of speech that is derived in the United States of America. It's an informal part of speech. It literally is for someone, listen to me, or something to be a constant cause of trouble or pain or an annoyance in your life. Someone or something that is a constant cause of trouble, pain, or annoyance in your life. Now take that and immediately just jump right back to the scripture and you're going you're gonna to be able to see in advance what the Lord's going to talk to you about today. Paul says from the scripture, I have learned that even though I got something to boast about, I live in a big house. You may say that. I don't. I have nice vehicles. I don't. You may. I have a lot of money. You may. I don't. This isn't me talking about I have these things. You may have something to boast about in life. We have a great family. We have a great lives. We own condos and here, here, and here. We travel the world. Whatever it is you feel like you have to boast about in life, the Bible says boasting really does not do any good. It drives more people away from you than it draws to you. And Paul said your boasting is of no value. What I've learned to really boast about in life is my weaknesses because we all have weaknesses. And I've learned that in my weaknesses, when I'm persecuted, when I'm insulted, when I've got these burrs under my saddle, it's in my weakness that God is truly working to prevent something in my life and to allow me to experience something from him that I would never experience unless that burr was in my saddle. Most of us just want to say, <laughs> if you, I grew up riding horses, pull back on the rain, jump off. Loosen that girth strap, loosen, pull that saddle up, pull. Where is that bird? This horse is acting crazy. We want that thing gone right now. But God oftentimes doesn't work that way. We see that in this passage. I want to tell you a story where this, this message came from. One evening, it was about a month ago, um, I was getting dressed and I was headed to Winfield, uh, to the Civic Center down there for the Louisiana Adult and Teen Challenge Spring Gala uh, with about seven of our Oaks Church family members for an amazing night. They had asked us to do the giving talk that night. And uh, I don't remember, Brooke was out of town. She was gone somewhere. And I'd ran home real quick. I'd been busy all day. It was one of those days just from one thing to the next to the next. And I ran home and I put on some clothes, something like this. I think it may have been blue jeans. And uh, after I'd got dressed, I, I jumped in a car. I was running to meet some people at exit 93. And man, I felt like a pain in my hip. And, and so I did what any good man would do. I just kind of tugged at it a bit and kind of pulled at it and just, just kept on rolling. Then about 30 minutes later, uh, I, I like moved or something, was sitting in a different position and the pain came back. It was a little sharper, it was a little more acute. And I was like, golly, what in the world is that? And so I did what any man would do, right? I just tugged at it a little bit more and pushed at it a little bit more. And, Man, I kept on rolling. We had a time schedule to keep, and I was supposed to be there, and, you know, I wasn't slowing down for anything. About an hour later, that pain and that discomfort had, had gotten so annoying and so aggravating, I'm literally <laughs> trying not, try not to be overboard here. <laughs> I'm sure people was like, what is going on with Pastor? <laughs> I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Lord. <laughs> 
is going on? I started tugging and pulling again, but you guessed it. I, I just kept rolling. I was ignoring the pain. Somebody say that with me, ignoring the pain. My schedule was too important. My agenda was too important. My deadlines, my timelines, my aspirations. I just ignoring that pain. And uh, we walked in, and, and, and when we did, I said, man, I got to go to the men's room. Like, really, just had to use the restroom. So I went to the restroom, and it was at that time I was standing there. I just happened to look down at my hip. And when I did, I looked down at my hip, and, and this is what I saw inside of my boxers. They're going to put one of these on the screen for you. <laughs> I had this in a very unpleasant place. <laughs> I mean, I've had them in my feet. It was no comparison. I've, I've had them in my arms. I've, you know, we, I was like, first thing, you ready for this? How in the world did Brooke get that in my clothes? <laughs> I'm mad at somebody else, just like you are, about the burr under your saddle about the pain that's in your crawl that shouldn't be there. Why did she do this to me? Why did he do this to me? How did that, can't she do a better job on my laundry? What, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to get killed right now. Okay, let me switch gears. Here's what I want you to do since, since I thought so much of every one of you today. I want you to reach down on the left side of your chair, every one of you. Left side of your chair, and I want you to pull out that burr. I put it there right for you. Left side of your chair. Be very careful. Be very careful. They will poke you. I looked diabetic this morning when I put all 500 of those out on chair. I was bleeding on every finger like I was being stuck. Just hold it. Keep that with you today. That's your souvenir. That's to represent the burr under your saddle. Here you go. Oh, here. Let me hold that, Brooke. Let me hold that. This is not weed. This is not weed. This is not weed. These are weeds. And I was outside like a crazy person in the side of the road in the ditch cutting these weeds just for you. And if you need one of these to take home with you today, they'll be right here. This is how they grow. We would pull one this morning and 50 of them would shoot everywhere and we'd just start sticking them on chairs. And they were like, man, I'm so amazed at how well those things stick. And I was like, mm, preach brother, them birds stick. They stick easy. They stick like Velcro. You'll pick them mugs up, not even trying to. They'll still be with you on Tuesday when you're acting like it's not there tugging at it, trying to ignore it. Then I had this thought, I was like, man, that thing hurt at first. Like, it was very uncomfortable. And then, and then I had this thought, like, you know, an hour, because we were driving to Winfield, and I didn't think it was that long. And, and when we got down there, we were actually late. Uh, they were like, here's a microphone. You missed eating. Go raise money. And uh, I was like, golly, that thing's been in there like an hour, hour and a half. And, and I had almost, listen to me, Stacy, forgotten about the pain and the discomfort. It had gotten to the point that I guess somehow we have this human ability like the oyster to take the grain of sand and smooth it over 
until it becomes a pearl. This pain that was so acute, that was so aggravating, that was so annoying, had really gotten, I, I, had, I had gotten so comfortable living with the pain. Just an hour and a half in, and, and I hope you know I'm not talking about a thistle in my boxers. I'm, I'm talking about the pain that's been a burr under your saddle for a long time that you used to feel acutely. It used to annoy you. It used to bother you. But now you've just accepted as this is normal. And I thought to myself, I said, man, how in the world did I forget about that sharp pain in just an hour and a half? How did it get to the point that I didn't even feel it anymore? I had gotten comfortable with this pain. What pain have you gotten comfortable with in your life? What, what pain have you hardened your heart like the calluses in my hands? Have you seared your conscience that used to be so sensitive? What pain have you gotten so accustomed to living with now? because you've refused to address it. The next thing that I thought that evening was, wow, man, how appropriate was it for the Lord to give me such a cool sermon illustration when I was slated to speak that evening at Teen Challenge. And, and, and I walked out there and I said, guys, I, I just want to tell you something. I had something else I was going to say, but I know this is what the Lord wants me to say tonight. How many of you in this room have a family member, have a friend, have a loved one, somebody that struggled with addiction, whether it be alcohol or drugs or not any life control? And of course, everybody's hands. And I said, do you remember how bad the pain used to be and how much it used to hurt and, and how sensitive you used to be to it? And now it's probably been two years. They probably relapsed. They've gone in and out, up and down, been in jail, been out, been back in rehab, backslidden you've given it and now you've just grown comfortable living with that pain here's what I hear the Lord saying to you tonight Louisiana adult and teen challenge don't ever get comfortable with the pain of someone living in addiction I said I made that decision at Oaks Church we're never going to accept it we're never going to live with it we're never going to get used to it that's why I'm texting Richard Bass Tina Bass in the middle of the week I don't know where these folks are at they fell off the face of the mat we got to get them back in CR we got to get them in a recovery home we got to get them to this altar we got to pray for them get them full of the Holy Spirit because I I refuse to accept that it's God's best for people to live with the pain of addiction. It's not God's best. They called me after it was over and they said, we raised the most money that night at the spring gala that we've ever raised. Thank you for such a timely word. And then immediately I called Pastor Rhonda and I said, I need you to order me 500 of these little sandbirds. She said, buddy, you can't order those. You're going to have to go outside and cut those. <laughs> So yesterday I went outside and cut you some. Number one, I want to throw this up on the screen. This is going to be important. Listen to me. Mm, that's not number one. <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> Don't get comfortable with your pain. Don't get comfortable with the pain you experience in life. Listen, to this is the great apostle Paul. He says this in verse eight. He says, I never got comfortable with it. I'm ad-libbing. He said three different times I went to the Lord. Do you think the apostle Paul had to talk to the Lord about things more than once? Evidently he did. I always thought erroneously that he had such a great connection with God that he was a one and done conversator with God. That is not true. That is not biblical Christianity. That is not how your prayer life works. And that's not how God works in our lives. Don't get comfortable with the pain. Paul said, I never accepted it. I never got comfortable with it. And I would go to the Lord repeatedly saying, God, take this pain out of my crawl. Number one, listen to me, my friends. We need to go to God with the burrs in our lives. 
I think we have forgotten, just honestly, listen to me for a moment. We were singing that song a minute ago. Pastor Chad was like, somebody give a testimony. If you remembered, you sought the Lord. You asked God to do something, and he did it. It was easy for me to sing that. It was easy for me to get into that because I'm telling you, just this week, multiple times this week, I took things in conversation, in prayer to the Lord, and had the Lord change things, had the Lord do a turnaround on things, had the Lord answer my prayer multiple times, and I'm not talking about a new house or a brand new car or restoration of lifelong family issues. I'm talking about small things. I'm talking about big things, but I know the importance of when things come up, when birds come up, the worst thing that I can do is just leave them there and tug at them and pull at them and try to forget them and ignore them. I've got to go to God with them. I've got to say, God, this is a burr in my saddle. This bothers me. You gave me these feelings. You gave me these emotions. There's sensitivity, warning signs that I'm being misused, that I'm being abused, that I'm being taken advantage of. God, this burr is bothering me. And number one, don't only just go to the Lord once. When it bothers you again, go to the Lord again about it. Be prepared to talk to the Lord often about your problems. And don't be surprised when your problems start hearing from the Lord. I'm telling you, you can, listen to me, here's the warning, you can and will grow numb to the pain you experience every day in life, and it's not healthy. We say things like this, oh, just pick yourself up. Oh, just put yourself back together. Oh, just pull yourself back up by your bootstraps. The grass is greener on the other side. She's not the only one in the world. We say all of these things and they're surface level trying to help people get over issues all the while never getting past the surface to deal with the real issues of people's heart. And the Lord alone can only deal with the issues of people's hearts where they've been broken and mistreated and misused and hurt and let down and abused. You've got to take that pain to God. He may not work it out on your timetable, but trust me, I know he's got an eighth name in the Bible. It's Jehovah Nicotine. That brother always comes through on the Nicotine. It may not be your time, but he's always on his time. Talk to him about your burst. Talk to him about your problem. Talk to him about your pain, and he will start talking to your pain. He'll start talking to your problems. Listen to me, my friend. I'm going to show you this. If you let that burr, if you let that burr get in that sensitive spot, in that sense, and you leave it there, you'll get numb to it. You, 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 it can even embed itself. You can grow a scab over it. It may fester a little bit, and you get to a place where it don't even hurt no more. But, but listen to me. Listen to me carefully. If you don't address this, it will lead to infection. It will lead to infection, and that's not the worst part. Infection always leads to contamination. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Listen to this. Look after each other so that none of you goes through life failing to receive God's grace in the areas that you need it. Watch out because you will get burrs under your saddles, poisonous roots of bitterness in your hide, and they will grow, get infected, and they will trouble you. But that's not the end. Eventually, they will corrupt the people around you. 
If you don't address the pain that you have in your life, the burrs that you have under your saddle, if you just try to tough it up, man up, girl up, pull your skippies up or panties up, you can have, and it gets infected. Eventually, listen to me, you're going to get bitter. You're going to have daddy issues. You are going to have mama issues. You're going to have family issues. You're going to have authority issues. You're going to have police issues. You're going to have husband issues, man issues, wife issues, women issues, kid issues. And you will start spewing that bitterness, that poison on everybody around you until all you do is surround yourself with birds of a feather that flock together that are all contaminated with the same infection that tell each other what they think they need to hear as balm and soothing salve to fit the agenda of their day. The Bible says there is a grace for you in that time of need. Paul said, hey, listen to me, God. This sucks. This hurts. I'm the apostle to the world. I've had experiences nobody's ever had in life. And you can't get this thorn out of my flesh. You can't get this burr out of my saddle. And God says, it's not the thorn. It's not the burr. It's the grace that you need. If I take the burr, if I take the thorn, it's going to exalt you. You're going to get arrogant. You're going to get prideful. You're going to think you all that in a bag of chips and a bowl of grits. But if I keep you humble, my friend, you will always learn to depend on me instead of relying on you. You will know that it's me and you and not you and you doing what needs to be done. There was a grace. God said three times, my Grace is sufficient. Number two, they're going to put this on the screens for you. Number two, there is a reason for the burr in your saddle. And there is also a grace for it. Be sure. Here's what Hebrews says. Be sure and look out for one another. That's what we say today. Well, I'm looking out for you, dog. I'm looking out for you. It says look out for one another and don't allow them to miss the grace that God has for their burr in the saddle, for the pain of their lives, for the hurt in their hearts, for the disappointment of their yesteryears. There is a grace from God. You may drop them $100. That ain't going to fix it, brother. You need to drop that grace in their lap, that grace in their life that can heal that pain and heal that heart and take away that issue. Look out for one another. Make sure they don't miss the grace of God because it's the grace of God. There's a reason for it. But most importantly, there's a grace for it. Put this scripture up on the screen. I love this right here. The Apostle Paul says this. Each time God's response to me was, you're awesome. You're handsome. You're going to change the world. You're the apostle to the, you're going to birth the Western church. Oh, I'll be sure and get on that for you, Paul, right now. (laughs) He said, nope. The Lord said, my grace is all you need, Paul. My power, Paul, works best in your weakness. I want to tell you a funny story right quick, and I'm going to tell it about two people, Pastor Rhonda and Charles, who are, who are like my mom and dad in the absence of my mom and dad, been, been for years. Um, got great mother and father-in-law, Todd and Angela, and got great parents in, in Rhonda and Charles. Um, <clears throat> we were dealing with a lot in church. A lot of stuff was going on, and we try not to deal with anything on Sunday mornings except you, church. 
Like we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday where we're, where we're fighting hell with a water pistol on every other thing we're fighting. But on Sunday, it's all about church. Everybody here knows that. You can call in on Monday. You, you can have Wednesday off. You can go to the doctor. But we don't play with Sundays. Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. The people are paramount. People matter. We're going to give it our best. Don't schedule anything else. Well, we had some stuff roll over, a lot of stuff. And it was just crazy. My, my, I didn't no more have where my sermon was, where, I mean, we were meeting, we were, the prayer team was like, where's Pastor John? He ain't coming to meeting this morning. You don't have a microphone on. People like knocking on the door. We're trying to resolve stuff, work stuff out. And then when it was all over, they said, well, I don't know how you're going to preach this morning. <laughs> and we are so sorry all this happened on Sunday morning. And I said, can I tell you a secret? I said, today's sermon will be better than any other sermon in the whole series. And they said, why? I said, because it's in the moment like this where it's got to be all God. And we walked out of church and they said, well, you was right. I said, I've been doing this a long time. I go out there overprepared and think I'm going to kill it and it's a flop. Go out there and it's all got to be God and 15 people get their lives changed. Paul said, your grace is all I need. In my weakness, when I admit that I'm weak in this area, that I'm troubled in this area, that I'm hurt in this area, your strength comes on me. So Paul said, hey, I have flipped the script. I'm not boasting about where I live, what I drive, how much money I got, what my connections are, who I'm associates with. I'm boasting about my weakness because it's in my weakness that then I get to see God show up in my life. I see God show up in our finances. I see God show up in our business. I see God show up in my walk. I see God show up in my parenting skills. And it all comes when I acknowledge that I can't do it without him. He just wants to be invited. He just wants to be involved. Paul said, so I just take pleasure now when people insult me, when I go through hardships, persecution, or any troubles that I suffer for trying to do this thing right. Because in that moment, God is bound to vindicate me and I don't have to vindicate myself. I'm going to show you a nugget here. The pain is pointing to a problem. Don't, don't deny the pain. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Nobody walk out of here today and say, oh, that pain's not real. No, this is you saying the pain is real. And, and the pain that Paul had was a major problem. Can I tell you what it was? Can I tell you what the thorn in his flesh was? It was the Jewish people, the law of first mention, the law of using scripture to interpret scripture. God said to the children of Israel, if you don't obey me, I will allow the people groups around you to become thorns in your flesh. The messenger of Satan is a phrase that Paul uses for the over-religious, Judaistic believers who believe circumcision and strict adherence to the law was the way to get to heaven. He calls them oftentimes the messengers of Satan. And everywhere Paul went, Berea, Thessalonica, Corinth, Galatia, Jewish people showed up and contended and contested his message. They beat him with stones. They beat him with rods. They had him imprisoned. And Paul said, take these antagonists away from my ministry. And God said, no. When you're humbled, I'm revealed. The pain was real. It was a problem. Listen to me. I think they showed that slide a moment ago. Just go ahead and, and, and show it now. I think it would be a very fitting time to show it. 
Burrs can be people. <laughs> Anybody got any people burrs in your life? <laughs> this is what your prayer life sounds like. Lord, I sure wish you would kill them. <laughs> Lord, I sure wish you would make them move. <laughs> Lord, I sure wish you would cause their car to blow out. <laughs> Anybody ever prayed that? Lord, I wish they'd get a relocation to Alaska. <laughs> Burrs can be problems. Burrs can be pain that you feel inside of you. Paul was experiencing a pain. It was pointing out a problem. This problem was revealing that there was a purpose to it. Isn't that amazing that God can look at trouble and say, you see trouble, I see triumph. You see pain, I see purpose. You see a test, I see your future testimony. You see a mess, I see God's message in your life. You see a scar in your heart, I see a star in my kingdom. You see trouble, I see my trophy. God looks at this and said, Paul, there's a purpose to the people pain you're experiencing in your life and in your ministry, and it's going to lead you to a person, the person, the only person that through you can be strong and enable you to live and to rise above this so that you operate in victory and above reproach to the world around you. Paul's people pain had a purpose that led him deeper to his relationship with a person. What drives you to your knees? I'm just asking you, what drives you to your knees? Is there anything that drives you to your knees? What I'm telling you is like D.L. Moody said, those people that oftentimes kneel the best learn to stand the most. Those things that drive you to your knees where you're inviting God in to the pain, to the bird, to the problem, to the thistle under your saddle, the thorn in your flesh, you go down one man. Now, this is supposed to be humorous. <laughs> and I grew up in the 80s. I'm an 80s baby. <laughs> All of a sudden, you hear, rising up. Straight from the top. Uh, boy, you come up like Rocky Balboa, son. You're like, boy, I went down broken. I went down defeated. I went down <laughs> deflated. I went down crippled. And, man, you stay down there a few minutes. You come up. You're like, oh, boy, I got something down there. And then you run back down there again and say, Ooh, this is good. Maybe I should invite something. <laughs> Where was that other bird at? A few years. Bring that home. Bring it right here. <clears throat> True story. <laughs> and then you walk up, and that bird walks in. You, you at a restaurant. You're at church. Man, let me tell you about a people bird last week. Oh, my Lord. We just had a sermon. If anybody missed it, listen to it. About God speaking to you. Not letting your emotions rule your life. <laughs> we, we were tearing down. We were trying to do our thing. All of a sudden, I start getting SWAT team calls, police calls. They finna WWF in the parking lot. I said, over what? They said, a girl. I said, oh my God, did they not hear the sermon? <laughs> you can't come to Oaks Church and fist fight. Lord, no. <laughs> 
Tell them about why they can't come to Oak Church and fist fight. Tell them, because I fight good. <laughs> you don't want none. Trust me, you won't pick a fight, pick a fight with somebody that can fight. No, you ain't gonna come here and fist fight. You say, what's that got to do with this? Listen to me, because you can walk right up to that person when you got down off of your knees and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Is things okay? Appreciate you. You don't have control over me no more. You don't have power over me. I'm not bound captive by that radiator fluid I was drinking, hoping it would kill you, but was all the while poisoning in me. You don't have that control of my life anymore. You smile at them. It's happening. And mean it. I'm free. Come on, Pastor Chad. 1126. I got to get y'all out of here. Kids, workers in ministry going to quit back there. <laughs> and then what we going to do? <laughs> Listen to this statement. God can remove our pain. Sometimes he moves it, moves them out of our lives. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But other times I'm telling you, he will move you to live in victory above it and over them. There's two things I want you to know today. Two things I want you to know about that burr in your saddle. Don't get comfortable with that pain. Don't get comfortable with that pain. Don't, don't try to put a Band-Aid over a bleeding artery, Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Take that to God. And what you're going to discover is there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose you feel that pain. Is God speaking to me about something? And if he is, you got to let God deal with you on that, man. He's patient. He is long-suffering. But I can tell you, he is also the best hound dog of heaven. His gnawing at your soul will never go away until you surrender that issue to him in your life. He's the hound of heaven. Remember Jesus called you to sing that song. He won't relent. What's the next verse? Till he has it all. He gave it all for you. Now he wants it all from you. That's what it means to be a Christian. Don't get comfortable with that pain. Take it to him and you're going to discover there's a reason for it. But more importantly, there will be a grace for it. A grace for it. Pastor Chad, after what we went through, and y'all don't know this. This is a scrapper right here. This is a fighter. He's a sweet guy now. Had to get older, nearly die. But he, he'll fight at the drop of a hat. And he don't fight. He, he fight dirty, too. He got big vocabulary. You don't want to fight with him. He got bad sense of humor, too. Dry wit. You don't even, he cut you, and you didn't even know he cut you. It'd be Tuesday, and you're like, dang, that dude cut me. Oh, you cut me 12 times. He can fight. After what we've been through, would you rather fight, or would you rather him fight? The vindication you want, you can't fight and get. But he don't have to fight and can give. He can make your enemies bow before you. He can turn the situation that feels so bleak. He'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He'll give you such freedom and peace. Those things that used to bind you up and hold you down, you'll be free from them. Operate through them. Move. Just be slick and sleek and strong and peaceable and loving and kind. And people be like, dang, how she get like that? Man, there's a peace he gives. There's a strength he gives. There's a healing he gives. There's a restoration he gives that only he can give. 
Here's a question today. Where is your pain? I know you've got them. Here's the bigger question. Does it still bother you? Here's a better way to say it. Do you still let it bother you? Because if you're like me, I have pain and then I push it down because I'm a man. I tug at it. I just keep rolling. You know, we, we, we think it's, we think, now listen, I'm all about the difference of femininity and masculinity. They are not the same. They are not the same. Listen to me. But a part of masculinity is being vulnerable and emotional. If you're a man in here today, and you say, oh, I'm too tough. Man, let your daggum kids see you cry. Let your wife hear you say, I'm sorry. Tell people you love them. There is nothing wrong with being a loving, masculine man. Ladies, put up that facade and try to act like it don't hurt and act like it bothers them. And the whole time it's eating them alive like cancer from the inside out. It's infected and it's spreading to people around them. Do you let it bother you? And whatever that is, have you grown numb to it? Do you desire to be pain-free? I'm going to reveal, just to just show you a simple process. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this story where they're, they're cutting trees down and a young man who had borrowed an axe head loses it and they invite God in, the man of God in, they invite the supernatural and the first thing God always asks is where is it? He walks out, he says, where did it fall? Where is it? Where's the axe? And he said, it's right there. It's at that computer screen at two o'clock in the morning. It's, it's, it's right there at that family reunion. It's, it's, it's that broken relation. It's right there. This is, it's like I, I see this in my spirit. I'm not going to do it. Sometimes you got to open it and say, God is right there. It's where when my family fell apart. It's, it's, it's where when my dad walked out of my life. It's, it's where when people misunderstood me, people talked about me, people hurt me. I felt insecure. I felt inadequate when people put me down, when people picked on me. People ostracized me. People never even sought to understand. They just wanted to be understood. They wanted to tell me instead of listening. I don't know where your pain is, but I can tell you this is how it starts with God. He wants to know where it's at. And you have to say, God, here it is. Here's the burr under my saddle. Here's the burr under my saddle. What I can tell you is the minute... <laughs> Somebody remember in the Old Testament, Moses would stick his hand in. He said, this is the sign. Stick your hand in your cloak and pull it out and your hand will be leprosy. And he said, then stick your hand right back in your cloak. Show God where that place is. Stick it in there and when you pull your hand out, it'll be white. It'll be clean as a baby skin. Pull that back and say, my children, Stacy, this is where the pain's at, God. Did I not do a good enough job? And I know, yes, you did. Did I, did I not try everything? I know, yes, you did. Was it their dad? Was it this world? Was it influences I invited in? What? God, be released from all that. Pull that back and say, there it is, God. And there'll be a grace in that moment that at some point when you pull it back out, it'll be brand new. It'll be clean. You'll receive a grace for it that will help you live above it. And don't be surprised if you do this. If one day, just, just listen to me, because the Bible says God takes us from glory to glory to glory. This walk is about maturing. We start out as babies. We become 
infants, then we become toddlers, then we become adolescents, and then hopefully, 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 we become adults. There's a process to this, and that's all God's wanting for you is a life of His child. You got born again, you're a brand new baby, you don't know Jack. And throughout your relationship with Him, He's trying to grow you into maturity. You'll look up one day as God's taking you from glory to glory to glory, that things that used to imprison you, you feel have been removed from your life. You, you don't even know they're there anymore. Like, it's like me. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, just straight up. I've never struggled with cocaine another day in my life. Sticking in, It's like I, I tell people my story. I'm like, I have lived longer for God now than I ever did as an addict. I'm like, I can't even believe that. But I know God used that to make me the person I am today, to love you the way you need to be loved today, to lead this church the way that it needs to be led today, to not look down my nose at anyone today. I know what it is to be hurt, to be broken, to be given up on, to be walked out on, to be forgotten, to have no hope. God used that. But today, I don't live hopeless. I don't live broken. I don't live addicted. This is not about me. It's about that progression. You just show him where it's at. It's right here, God. It's in that bathroom. It's in that mirror. It's at that party. It's in that little bag. It's in that pill bottle. It's in that big bottle. It's, this is where it is, God. It's in that relationship. It's in that divorce. This is where it's at. This is the pain. Stick it in there. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, over time, if you invite him in, you go down weak. All of a sudden, you come up strong. You pull out. And all of a sudden, you're brand new. The leprosy's gone. One day, you start living and walking, rising above it.